Episode 59 of the Thunder Underground podcast is here. My name is Trent, and I'm joined by Jason. Hello, hello. Hello. As you can tell, my voice is still a little out of it like it was last episode, but yours was a little out of it last time, and you seemed better, so good I'm, for you. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm better. You're not. What right. happened? I don't know. I had a relapse, or whatever they call it. A relapse? No. In, in medical terms. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well... You know, uh, hang in there. Yeah. It's only going to get better, Trent. I'm starting to feel a little better. I still okay. just sound like, like I don't. Well, you, you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah, hopefully by the next time we record well, something. Yeah, by the 60. It's a big one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode features William Fish. We've been talking about this the last couple episodes, that this one was coming. Yep. Finally here. It's time. Yeah. Excited to bring this to you. William was the drummer for Framing the Red for about a year and a half. Yeah. And the most impressive part of that is the fact that he's not even 18 yet. And he spent almost two years in a band, a national, nationally touring band. Yeah. That, you know, has success under their belt. And it's just, I can't, you know, I mean, I know we're going to talk about it here in a minute, but I just can't say enough about how impressed I am with this guy and how much he's done and all he's got you know, that's coming out in the future and all this, you know, it just seems way yeah. more than we were doing when we were 17. Uh, you know? No shit. I mean, <laughs> it speaks to his talent and, you know, it speaks to his drive, really. Uh, like you said, I don't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't this driven when I was 17. Right. Uh, I'm not this driven now. <laughs> right. Uh, I'll be honest. So, I mean, it's really cool that, uh, you know, to see this kind of thing going on. So, uh, uh, yeah, we had a good talk with him and uh, we're going to get into it here in a little bit. Yeah, we're also going to play a song that he's got. Yeah. and bef But before we do that, we want to play a song from your, from, from another band out of Iowa. Burlington, Iowa. Right. They're called Cotton the Crypt, and this song is called The Truth. Yeah. 
Truth from Cotton the Crypt out of Burlington, Iowa. This is pretty badass. I love. Uh, it's got it. You know, it's got the the sound of the the radio hard rock and metal. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing about it that is cookie cutter or stereotypical like a lot of that stuff tends to be. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a few factors here that set it apart. Yeah, uh, in a good way. One, obviously, I think is uh, um, the vocals. Yeah, uh, they're higher. They're higher pitched than a lot of this stuff that you hear, uh, you know, in mainstream rock right now. You know, a lot of people are grunting and being low, and uh, you know, these vocals here they get gruff, and there's some good screams, but there's also it's good clear. Uh, you know, it's unique and uh, it sets it apart. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Like you said, unique. You know, you don't hear, you don't hear this kind of style and this style of music a lot. Like you said, and it's got. You know, told you earlier, you know, it reminds me of a little Kevin Martin from Candlebox at times. And, yeah. Sometimes I feel, yeah. I feel a, uh, like a, a higher pitched Miles Kennedy thing going on every now and then. Oh yeah. That's uh, pretty, you know, know. and, uh, I like, I like the drums on, on the song, uh, just, you know, uh, you know, pretty, pretty busy, but never, but never too busy. Uh, and you know, it's a great solo. I mean, it's a, it's pretty, pretty killer track. Yeah. And some really cool guitar stuff going on as well. That's not not typical as well yeah, yeah yeah so yeah check these guys out cotton the crypt they're on facebook they've got videos up for these on youtube find them on spotify hit them up on there follow them like them support these guys another great independent band this That's one's right. out of iowa just like our guest this week exactly yeah exactly well before we get into this talk about about William Fish, we wanted to talk about Lynch Mob. Yes. Which I know is just a, seems kind of random, but we actually saw Lynch Mob a couple nights ago in Tulsa. They played a car show. Yeah. Which is kind of odd. I haven't seen a band at a car show in probably 20 years. No kidding. And normally then it's just some cover band or something. But they played M3. The For those of you who don't know, that's a major festival that happens every year up in maryland baltimore yeah maryland yeah. where it's all glam and 80s rock and you know it's like a two-day festival similar to how rock loma started out and lynch mob played that on friday afternoon or evening and then they got up at like six in the morning and flew they said they took two different flights i guess to get here yeah and they played this show saturday evening in tulsa so Glad they did it, you know, because I haven't seen him in a few years. Yeah. And I know you haven't seen him in a long time. I haven't or... seen him since uh, the Pavilion in, what, 93 with Warrant. Wow. And I mean, that that's... was with Robert Mason singing. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, uh, Yeah, I, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I felt, you know, grateful. I was, you know, I felt lucky that they they got up at six in the freaking morning and, 
you know, and, and, you know, it seems like they were pretty rushed, but they made it. And, uh, you know, for me, you're way more, this is way more up your alley. I never glommed on to George Lynch and Dawkins and Lynch Mob as much as you did. Uh, I, I, I'll straight up tell you right now, I really don't like Dawkins at all. Yeah. And not, not because nothing, nothing negative. It's just, I, I could never get into them. Uh, but I always knew of, you know, and, and always recognized how great George Lynch is, uh, how great of a player he is. And, uh, you know, I had, I had the, the, the album with Robert Mason. I had that album back in the day. Um, you know, but I just never, I never fully got on board, but, you know, kind of like what I told you last night, you know, what else are we going to do? On a Saturday night, you know, why not? And <laughs> it ended up being uh, way better than I expected and thought and really ended up having a great time, you know. Uh, we were right up front and uh, it sounded good. And um, George Lynch is just, um, fuck, man, that guy can play. I mean, I knew he could play, but damn, that guy can play. Yeah. <laughs> and Oni Logan as well, you know, sounds phenomenal. Life. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it still sounds... Like you did on the first Lynch Mob album in 1990. Yep. And, you know, of course, on their live shows, they didn't play anything from that album with Robert Mason or any of that stuff, but they stick basically with the first album, then some new stuff. And, you know, they've, they're have they a band that they've, they've done a lot different than a lot of bands from that era, where since Oni Logan came back, like, I don't know, probably eight, eight or nine years ago, they put out like five albums. Yeah, yeah, I was a couple I, EPs and two full albums. Yeah, I was looking yeah. some. Uh, they've got all kinds of videos on YouTube. Yeah, uh, they're th yeah the stuff they're doing now is killer. Yeah, all of it is, you know, just like the early stuff. You know that blues-driven, really heavy, evil rock and roll. You know, <laughs> and they all do it great. And you know, even live Sean McNabb. You know, is you know I always followed bands that he's been in, but. I never realized how exceptional he was until I was watching him last night live. Oh, that guy was a monster. Yeah. I had no, yeah, I was like, I was like, fuck, I didn't know he could do all this. Yeah. I mean, that guy was nuts, man. It was great. Yeah. And he was on Sons of Anarchy, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. So it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get that in there. Sorry. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> well, like I said, all their new stuff's good. Their newest album, Rebels, great. They had one, Red Sun Rising, I think it was, or no, that's the name of a band. It's, Something like that. <laughs> you know, last year, they seriously, they're pumping out new stuff every other year. And, you know, there was a long period in, before that that they, you know, he was doing different stuff. Like, he put out an album, had Robert Mason come back. Remember that? And calls, it was called Re-Evolution. Re I think, yeah, I remember, I remember And they re-recorded yeah. a lot of the stuff from the first album and a lot of Dawkins songs. Yeah. Which... Being a huge fan of Robert Mason, I loved it because it was cool hearing those docking songs with his voice. Uh, yeah. You'd probably uh, dig that. I'd probably like yeah. it way better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't really ever get into the, you know, the stuff from Wicked Sensation with him singing just because I love Oni Logan so much. As, you know, I love both those guys. Yeah. But, you know, so when I think of Lynch Mob, though, I think of Oni Logan, not Robert Mason. Okay. But, you know. Oh, yeah. As you know, I'm a huge fan of him as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I just well, wanted to throw that in there. Let me ask you this. What did you think of Lynch Mob's new metal era? I listened to it once. Yeah? And I don't really... It's Seriously, it's been way back then, and I remember <laughs> thinking it was kind of dumb, you know, that they were doing that, but I, like, whatever. 
but I honestly hey, when you when you like the band, you you, you follow them no yeah, matter what. I can't really remember if I loved it or didn't like it, but so it must have just been something that just yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think it didn't uh, strike me either way. So you know, since it doesn't, since it didn't resonate in my <laughs> mind, I guess. Well, I think they're they're back doing you know what they should be doing. We know yeah. that for sure. Yeah, all yeah. these all this new stuff is that same solid, like I already said. Yeah, and and you know, going back to the show, uh, we kind of was one. We kind of wondered how the turnout would be, uh, right? And it was pretty sporadic, you know, from that first op- that opening band and. You know, but as we were walking around, we'd see some metal shirts, and we knew. Yeah. And then once they once they hit, I mean, there's a there's a pretty good gaggle of people up front. Yeah. It was enough for them to get some energy off of. So. Yeah. And and they seemed to be happy about it. So it was great. Yeah, and you could tell everybody was there. Oh there yeah. Because they knew people Mitch knew Mother. the fucking words. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, of course, they played some docking songs, and they got a big reaction. And yeah, it's always great to hear. Mr. Scary. That was nuts. Phenomenal. Yeah. Because that's even whenever Sean McNabb had a had a lengthy bass solo as well, leading up to yep. George Lynch going into Mr. Scary. And you know, but and that's the other thing I I wanted to point out. I saw him, I don't know, three or four years ago in Oklahoma City, and then at Rocklahoma one time. But I think that the docking songs that they choose to play are really fitting with Lynch Mob because they picked the the heavier, groovier stuff like yeah. "Heaven Comes Down" and "The Hunter," yeah, which aren't your typical huge hits, but they're like the better docking songs. And of yeah. course, "Tooth and Nail" is like probably my favorite docking song. Yeah, and "Into the Fire" is probably the biggest hit they played. Yeah, and you know, yeah. so it's I I like that they're not just pulling out, you know, "Breaking the Chains" or "It's Not Love" or "Alone Again" just to get a crowd reaction. Yeah. yeah. I was very happy that I did not hear breaking the chains. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, like we said earlier, we've got a song we want to play. Yeah. It's uh actually a demo track that that Will recorded with uh Kenny Dresden as the singer and he's going to be on this whole EP that he's putting out pretty soon called Choices. And he's recorded the, you know, some demo stuff in his home, but he said he's going to re-record everything in studio for this album he's got coming out. But he sent us this demo track for us to play, and this is called Substance. Turning blue skies to black I promised I'd never look back On a new ride And you're the first in line Simply unsatisfied When you run and hide Promise you'll never look away Your eyes are looking strange What have you done? Look at what you've become This isn't who you know where did you fucking go? Turn the page, turn the page, you never look away. You changed in every way, you left me here insane. Tell me where did you go? I missed you so. You let substance control you, you 
let it burn you down I tried so hard to warn you Just listen to the sound Of a hundred hearts dying All the people crying That'll never get you back You become a slave And you dug your own grave Come back to me And you will see There's much more to life Than getting high Turn the page, turn the page Throw it all away You changed me every way You left me insane I tried so hard to warn you Just listen to the Once again, that was Substance. It's a demo version of, an, of a song that's going to be on Will's forthcoming album or EP called Choices. That song he plays everything on, except for the vocals, and that's Kenny Dresden, like we mentioned earlier. And he plays everything on this EP that's coming up, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Another thing we, like we said earlier. Oh, yeah, again. <laughs> yeah. Were you playing three or four instruments when you were 17? No, no, no I barely play guitar. <laughs> I can barely play it now, but I still do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this song, you know, it's a little teaser of what, what we're going to get. So it sounds sounds great. Sounds like uh, we're in for some cool stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing this, you know, full-on studio recorded because you can tell that guitar is going to be heavy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? For sure. And so it's it's going to be it's gonna be cool to hear this. And I think, you know... Anyone that knew him from Framing the Red would be happy because, you know, it's just good, heavy rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, that's you can't what go, that band is. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that for sure. Yeah. And in this interview, we get into, you know, all kinds of stuff. What he's got coming in the future is influences, past. And if you're listening to this because you're a Framing the Red fan, we get into that and how he came into the band, you know, some stories from when he was in the band and, of course, why he left. Yeah. And. If you followed Framing the Red, you know there was a little bit of drama and stuff, but like we said, this dude's got a head on his shoulders and he's Yeah. He's playing it straight, you know, and he's he's kinda like Sweden in the whole thing, you know. <laughs> Luxembourg. Yeah. <laughs> he's got you know, I know he's still cool with Jamie, you know, who had some issues with mm-hmm. 
with Jordan the singer and you can tell he's still cool with with Jordan and the rest of the band so it's yeah. Yeah. it's good you know yeah I mean um again I mean I just kind of floored I I wish I could have been a session player at a studio when I was 17. Yeah, that's another thing. That's not, what I think is super fucking cool. So Yeah, not just making his own music. He's he's for hire and making music for other people. And I mean, that's how you can't imagine that 20 years from now, what this guy's going to have done yeah, under his belt, you know? I know. I know. It's impressive. Yeah. Well, we recorded this over uh, video chat. So it's not, you know, perfect audio, but it's it's pretty good. So yeah. check this out. Let's just get into it right now. Actually, uh, just got done uh, finalizing some stuff with my girlfriend for some colleges for her. Uh, she's going to beauty school to be like a hairdresser and stuff. So uh, while she's doing that, I'm going to come up here and I'm going to go back to work, you know, make some money so I can try to support, you know, the, the baby that's coming up. But I'm uh, also going to get back into the music scene up here in Iowa uh, just because, you know, this is where I'm from and I uh, have, you know, so many more followers particularly up here as opposed to anywhere else in the country. What's the, uh, what's the music scene in Iowa like? It's pretty good, man. Like a lot of people wouldn't believe like how, uh, involved it is, but I know for framing the red, this was definitely our strongest market. Uh, as far as people coming out to shows go, uh, you know, on our insights on our Facebook page back when I was an admin, on there, you know, I did see that Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where I'm to be moving to, is uh, was for a while the uh, most liked region. So you, uh, is that where you grew up? Yeah, I uh, grew up in like a small town uh, called Urbana, Iowa. It's about 30 minutes from Cedar Rapids. Uh, went to school in Center Point, and then uh. In our closest Walmart was Cedar Rapids, so we, if people ask where I'm from, you know, I always just tell them Cedar Rapids, Iowa. <laughs> gotcha. Well, what kind of music, as far as Cedar Rapids locally, is is there all kinds of stuff like metal and everything, or is it just, or is there any kind of anything that's strong there? I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of metal bands, uh, Rapids, but uh. As you know, most of the musicians that I know are like rock and roll, very similar to what Frame the Red did. You know, I mean, kind of more like I would like to consider like modern rock, uh, very like Three Days Grace, uh, Breaking Benjamin type stuff. But uh, there are definitely some metal bands. Uh, I just was never big into the metal scene here, just because uh, I find that it doesn't do as successful as the modern rock because there, I guess, there aren't as many listeners. Cool, cool. So, uh, you're 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 starting kind of a solo project, right? Yeah, man. I actually uh, just got done a few hours ago uh, recording uh, 
the drums for my album. It's going to be a five song EP. Uh, a very modern rock. Uh, I'm doing all the instrumentals on it, guitar, bass, drums. And uh, I hired a singer, uh, Kenny Dresden. He's a really cool kid. Uh, he's about 17 years old. So my age, uh, from Keokuk, Iowa, uh, about two hours South of here, right on the Missouri border. And, uh, he, we met him back when we were on, when I was on the road with Fran in the red and he's just absolutely amazing, man. He, one of the greatest live performers and singers that, you know, I've ever met in my life. So I had to get him for my record. Cool. Now, is it going to be under your name or do you have like a band name you're going to put it under or? Uh, I'm going to have it. I decided that, uh, instead of like coming up with a name for the project, since I'll, I'm, we'll probably never like, uh, tour it or play it live. Uh, it's going to be more, or less uh, just a recording project and uh, like an online sales uh, slash hard copy sales thing. So I'm definitely going to, you know, call it, uh, you know, like William Fish featuring Kenny Dresden. Okay, cool. Cool. Like, so you said you were playing all the instruments. I mean, were you a drummer first or did you pick any one of the others up first or how'd that kind of happen? Uh, I actually, uh, started on guitar, man. Uh, but I went from guitar to bass back when I was, I don't know, 10, maybe I picked up a guitar and I kind of set that aside whenever I found drums whenever I was 11, because I definitely found I was excelling in drums and, uh, definitely spent the most time behind a drum set. But, uh, I recently within the past year and a half or two, I've started uh, getting really big on guitar again because, you know, I missed being able to be diverse and play all the instruments as well as I can play drums. So, you know, I mean, I used to play piano and trumpet, trombone and all that, but it's been so long, man, that like, I don't even, I don't, if I got behind a piano, I'd just make myself look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as far as drums go, like who's your influences? Like who's, who's a couple of years like, favorite guys that you always go to? Uh, definitely, uh, he's no longer around anymore, but, uh, the original drummer from Avenged Sevenfold, uh, Jimmy Sullivan or the yeah. Rev, cause, uh, just cause man, he was so like talented and a lot of people don't realize, man, but he wrote all those songs, man. And yeah. he would go and he would go play, you know, the rhythm guitar tracks, the bass tracks, the drum tracks, uh, and then present them to the guys in Avenged Sevenfold and be like, you know, Hey you know, what do you think of this? And then they would go into the studio and record them themselves, obviously. But you know, he's so talented and so diverse and such a great piano player. But, you know, as far as, like, I, I can't think of anyone that would even come close to how good he is. But, I mean, other than him, you know, I was big into Joey Jordison from Slipknot, being from Iowa and all that. And uh, definitely Buddy Rich because uh, I started playing jazz and uh, – you know, I still play jazz. I'm actually getting ready to go in and uh, drum, session drum for a blues record here uh, a week from now. So, you know, I'm still – to me, jazz is very important to have under my belt. So Buddy Rich was a big influence as well. What was the first style of music you started playing as a drummer? Uh, jazz, for sure. I started uh, learning jazz uh, – I mean, other than, you know, like the obvious ACDC, you know, <laughs> classic rock, you know, four, four time bass snare, bass snare. 
but jazz definitely because I found it so challenging and, you know, I like a challenge and, and then uh, blues, blues is challenging too, but I find that jazz swing is so much more because you have to have flair and you have to be able to accent. You have to be able to know different time signatures. And you have to know how to read music, you know, for any instrument for jazz, but even drums. And a lot of musicians don't know how to read five line staff, but it was a big important part for me, you know, before I even got behind a drum set to learn how to play the five line staff, uh, learn how to recognize notes and how to be able to read and write and compose music. So jazz was definitely, you know, a big part of my life and a big part of my uh, drumming career. Did you grow up in a musical family where your parents and the jazz or play music or anything? Uh, believe it or not, man, uh, they, I'm pretty much the only one in my family other than some of my cousins who aren't blood related, but they're related by marriage. Uh, I'm the only one who plays music. Uh, I grew up in a very athletic family and, you know, I was big into sports, football, baseball, basketball and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, a few years ago, I guess a handful of years ago, I found out that, you know, I had a few different medical disorders and diseases and stuff that made it so I can't play football or basketball or baseball or any of that stuff. So to me, music was an outlet and an outlet became a hobby and a hobby became a career. And now it's my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, going back to the solo album, are you self-producing this or is there someone in there in the studio producing this with you? Or? Yeah. Well, I'm a, uh, I'm recording it all myself. I went and I spent the money and, you know, I got some help from from some family on getting the right gear to do all this stuff. But, uh, you know, I do work with Forte Studios, and that's in Boone, Iowa. But uh, instead of going through them, uh, just I decided not to go through them just because I wanted to see if I could produce an album myself because I've always been into producing and mixing and mastering and all that stuff. Uh, since, you know, I was with Frame in the Red because our producer taught me a lot. And, uh, you know, I went and I got all the gear and stuff. And I, you know, I mean, I'm doing the same stuff that, you know, the guys in the, the big music industry is doing, you know, with the overlaying guitar, you know, click track, obviously, uh, different effects and all that. And uh, the only thing that, you know, I complain about me doing my recording is I'm not getting the drum sound that I necessarily want from my acoustic drums, uh, just due to the fact that, you know, I mean, I don't have $10,000 to go spend on mics and snakes and all that stuff. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it with a few condenser mics, but it's not something that I'm afraid to put out to the public. Cause I would never put something out to the public that I wouldn't personally buy myself. So, you know, I do have a friend uh, in Nashville who, I am sending all my tracks to who's uh, mixing and mastering it all for me for free. And, uh, you know, he's doing a really good job at that. And, you know, I mean, other than that, you know, I'm doing everything else myself, man. You said it's like a modern rock kind of sound. Is it, it's probably heavier than friend in the road though. Or? Yeah, it's it's heavier than Frame of the Red. You know, like I said, it's a five-song EP, and I definitely one of them is definitely like a soft, soft ballad. But you know, I mean, I've done everything, uh, obviously, other than recording the 
vocals because I'm not a singer myself, but you know, I wrote the lyrics, I wrote the melodies and all that. And a lot of the lyrics, man, like reflect either like that I've, you know, gone through in my life or people who are close to me have gone through in their life or things that have, you know, affected me in one way or another. So instead of, you know, like framing the red, which there's nothing wrong with, but, you know, doing a lot of songs about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, I'm, you know, kind of want to take a different route and, you know, write about some things that are near and dear to me. So, I mean, it's, I have a ballad on there that's, you know, pretty soft, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's similar to Frame the Red, but if I had to describe a band that was very much like what I'm recording, it'd be probably like Three Days Grace or Buck Cherry. You know, I'm trying to write songs that uh, uh, my fans would want to buy because me personally, I love heavy metal. I'll listen to heavy metal all the time, all day long, but, you know, some of my fans might not particularly like my style of music that I like to listen to. So I'm trying to appeal to my fans and write something that they would like to listen to. So Yeah, I noticed your shirt and that's a little bit heavier than than Buck Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like I like heavy metal, man. I like, you know, death metal and all that. And you know, I just think it takes a lot of talent on the musicians end, you know, especially to to be able to play how fast you're doing, especially in studio, because I know how hard it is you know, being a studio drummer for, you know, like rock and roll. And I can't imagine going in there and doing gravity blasts and all that and being perfectly on time because I mean, you know, I like to consider myself, you know, fairly talented, but those, those guys, man, are just insane. Like, I don't even know what you have to do to be on that kind of level, but I want, I want to be that good someday, you know? <laughs> Is that something you think you'd be interested in playing death metal down the line? For sure, man. Uh, I actually plan on uh, doing a, a heavier record. Probably not my next one because I'll probably do another uh, rock record. But uh, once I save some money and uh, get into save enough money to uh, go to the Forte Studios in Boone, Iowa, that I was telling you about, uh, I definitely want to do like a heavier metal because you know I I still write heavy metal songs and all that, and I'm into you know all the the screaming and growling and all that stuff. And you know I took the time to learn how to do that, some of that stuff myself. And uh, in my record that I'm coming out with now, my uh, five song EP, uh, there will be like some parts where, you know, I will be screaming a sentence or, you know, doing it here and there. But, you know, I would definitely be interested in recording a lot of heavier, heavier, heavier stuff down the road. Cool. Well, you mentioned session drumming a little bit ago like talk about how you got into that do you enjoy that as much as you do yeah. playing your own stuff and everything right well i uh i actually uh, got the job at forte studios uh ex exclusively so you know i mean i i'm not bound by contract or anything but i try not to do session drumming anywhere else just due to the close relationship that I have with Forte. But I actually got that job when I was still with Frame in the Red uh, to do all my off time uh, for some extra money here and there and uh, to get to know some more musicians in Iowa. But uh, I went to Forte and, you know, I, I sent him some emails back and forth. And I went and I toured the studio and I was just blown away, man. Like I've never seen anything like it. I've never 
seen so many different recording rooms and the recording equipment they have and everything. So, you know, I, I told them like, you know, what do I have to do? What do you need? What, what can I help you with? So we worked out, you know, a really nice agreement where I go and I promote for them and I recruit musicians as well as session drumming and session guitar playing and session bass playing. But uh, I will, you know, say you go and you guys form a band and you want to record somewhere. You're not quite sure where you want to record. Well, you know, you got you get a hold of me and I'll sort everything out for you and I'll send it off to Forte and you don't even have to contact them. I'll do it all for you. And, you know, I make a, a small percentage off of every musician that I get to send to Forte. And, you know, out of everyone that has gone there, you know, I haven't heard anything bad about any of their reviews online or, you know, or any bad recordings from them. So, you know, it's definitely a blessing for me for sure to be able to work there because, you know, that's, by far the nicest studio in all of Iowa, you know, I mean, at least that I've seen. So, you know, as, as long as, uh, I'm a musician, you know, I, I will be working with Forte, you know, because they're so superb and their recording quality is just great, man. And you said you're, or I saw on Facebook, I think, where you had mentioned you're training to be a sound engineer there as well. Yeah, well, that was the plan. Uh, I was going to, uh, on my off time, if I wasn't doing any session drumming or promoting, I was going to go and I was going to be a producer in training. And they were going to, you know, give me all the books that I needed and, you know, be able to do sound engineering just so they would have two sound engineers as well. But uh, with all the things that have happened in my life and with, you know, my girlfriend being pregnant and uh, I moved back to Missouri for a little bit and, you know, I'm moving back up here, but I'm still two hours away from the studio that I work at. Uh, I kind of put that on hold and I've kind of, uh, I've pursued my education as a sound engineer on my own. Uh, a lot of online, you know, researching online and stuff. And ever since I, you know, quit from the red, I've been really big into, you know, looking online to see how to get the, the best recording quality at home especially but you know i mean i would like to you know go to school to be a sound engineer and you know whenever i do decide to go to college it would definitely be for sound engineering as well as you know music education so well how old were, how old were you when you joined Frame the red were you like 16 uh, or, yeah i was 16 when i joined Frame the red how'd that how'd that come about how, how did you get that gig well, man, I was in a, I was in a band with a, a, a fairly big musician uh, here in Cedar Rapids. The uh, name is Keegan Moore, or his stage name is Joe Yankee. And uh, we did a lot of, like, psychedelic rock and, like, blues rock and stuff. And it was definitely different than Frame of the Red, but we opened up for him a few times because they used to play at uh, my guitar player's mom's bar in Newhall. So, you know, that's how we kind of got hooked up with them. And then uh, they were in Dubuque, Iowa, I believe. And they played a show, and their previous drummer had went to jail <laughs> for public intox and, you know, underage drinking, all that, whatever, you know what I mean? I've only heard stories, but I, you know, they, they just showed up to the next show, and they didn't have a drummer, and 
they were going to fly someone in, but he canceled. And they just came up to me and they're like, can you play cover songs? Yeah, I can play cover songs. And they're like, okay, well, here's this CD. Go, you know, here's the, the cover songs and here's a CD of our originals. You know, you're going to play with us for a night. Like, okay, cool. So a night turned into two days and two days turned into the whole weekend. And then a weekend turned into, you know, okay, I'll try it for a month. And then a month turned into a year and a half. And, you know, I mean, I just, you know, became so close with them and so, you know, honored to be in their presence just, you know, simply because of their age and their success level trying to recruit me at my age. So that's kind of how that came about. Like at the age of 16, that's kind of, you know, living the rock and roll dream turn for a year and a half. Like how, what was that like at your age? I mean, was it overwhelming at first or? <sighs> well, man, it was definitely overwhelming at first. And, you know, I mean, I was nervous and, you know, I, I'd never even been in, you know, I mean, I'd been in bars playing and stuff before, but, you know, I've never been to like, I was never in like good venues that we did play, you know, and my first venue I'll never forget, man, was in Muskogee, Oklahoma. <laughs> and uh, we showed up there and I set up my drums and, uh, you know, I, mean, I was just thrilled, man. I was taking pictures and everything. And they were like, oh, just another day, just another day and all that. And, you know, playing in all those different venues and meeting all the people that I got to meet and becoming friends with, people in the bands like Drowning Pool and Saving Able and Waylon and, you know, all these bands being able to, you know, say, Hey, I have this person on Facebook. I can message him if I ever need anything, you know, whatever I can go on their tour bus. if I wanted to, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely a rock and roll teenager's dream as well as, you know, any rock and roll adult. So, you know, that was awesome to me, man. And, you know, I mean, I can't thank the guys in Frame in the Red, which I was actually just talking to uh, Jamie Welch, uh, you know, the original guitar player, not too long ago. And that's some, you know, look, man, regardless of what has happened before and what's happened in the past and all the drama, you know, I just want to say, you know, thank you for the opportunity that you guys gave me because it truly opened up so many doors for me, man. And now I look at it as I can use music not only as an outlet and a career, but I can use it to support my soon to be family, you know, I can use it to pay my bills like I had been doing with Frame in the Red, and, you know, that's all because of them. So that was, you know, like I said, a really big honor to me to have them try to recruit me like that. Was it – did you ever – were any of the bars ever giving you a hard time? I mean, I know I've heard that with bands sometimes. It's hard to get a member in if they're underage. Right. Uh, no, I mean, we never really had any problem uh, at all. Believe it or not, and you know, I mean, I, I guess you know that's because I guess I didn't look my age and still don't look my age or whatever. But a lot of people didn't ask, and whenever you know people did know, you know, like they they know that I'm not in there to you know get messed up or you know try to hook up with anyone or try to cause any harm or anything. I'm out there to to do a job. You know, I was I was always really business oriented. And, you know, I got a lot of that from from some of the guys in Framing the Red, and uh, from my dad especially. But uh you know, I was out there to make a career for myself and make a future for myself and, you know, become something. And a lot of the venues who did, you know, kind of become hesitant towards my age once they found out, you know, they were, they kept a close eye on me, but after a few times of playing there, they knew, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, 
drink and party and all that or, you know, get in trouble. I'm just here to, you know, play music and have fun doing it. Well, you mentioned Jamie, and I know he had a few unkind words to say after he left the band, that you seem to be a little bit more uh, amicable as far as you leaving. So is everything good? Was it just a, you're leaving because of the baby and that kind of thing? Right. Well, uh, you know, man, to be honest, you know, I, I mean, the baby to me was, you know, a, a, a deal breaker with me leaving because, you know, I have no problem with people being in bands and being gone from their family and having a kid on the way. But me personally, I just don't want to do that because I want to be a part of, you know, it's life just as much as, you know, my girlfriend does. And that's hard to do on the road. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There were, there were some things, you know, that I didn't necessarily like, you know, I mean, obviously with Jamie quitting, you know, it was weird, you know, getting a new guitar player. I mean, it wasn't bad. You know, he's a great guitar player, great guy, awesome to hang out with and all that. But, uh, you know, going from a big 40 foot tour bus to you know a short bus which is what they're in now with all your gear in there without a trailer you know that was kind of stressful on all of us and you know i didn't really want to be gone all the time doing that but one of the biggest things for me man was the traveling you know having to hop in my car and i have a tiny car a little like ford focus and hop in my car and go from either iowa or missouri all the way down to mississippi just to go back on tour and hop back in a different vehicle and go be gone for, you know, two, three months at a time and then hop back in a vehicle and drive again. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that it wasn't fair, but it was definitely stressful on me getting less off time than everyone else. Cause if we would stop and we would get four days off in Mississippi, you know, that's not reasonable for me to go all the way back up to Missouri with my girlfriend where we had our apartment or go all the way up to Iowa where I'm from. You know, there were definitely a lot of different reasons why I did choose to leave. And, you know, I mean, who knows if, you know, we, I mean, obviously if it wasn't for the baby, but if, you know, if we didn't have the baby and the band was located closer to where I'm from, then, you know, I probably, probably would have stayed in the band, but the traveling, the extra traveling was just a lot for me and a lot of personal expense and all that. And whenever we wouldn't make very much money one month or the other month, you know, and then having to go and spend half of that money on traveling, you know, either plane tickets or fuel or whatever, you know, it's just, it, it, it kind of gets old, especially whenever you got bills to pay and stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, like we mentioned, you're on the road for like a year and a half for the most part on and off. And I've seen, you know, framing your Reds tour schedule, it's pretty heavy. And I, I think I remember Jamie mentioning that they learned that from Wayland, getting out there and hitting places all the time. Did you have any any awesome memories of some really good gigs or any on the opposite end, really anything that went really bad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I mean, uh, first, I want to talk about, you know, the, the heavy tour schedule, you know, and that was, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, Jamie did leave was because we approached him with uh, with an alternate tour schedule, you know, saying, hey, man, what do you think about being gone, you know, three weeks and then being home a week? And, you know, he wasn't, 
he wasn't necessarily down for that. And, you know, that's kind of what fueled the whole, you know, him leaving amongst many other things. But, you know, I do agree that you need to hit the road, especially with a record coming out. You need to hit the road and just go, go, go. But like I said, being gone all the time for me was, you know, hard being away from my family, especially like so young and all that. But, but as far as the shows go, man, you know, I mean, I've had so many good shows. It's hard to keep track of all the, the fun memories and all that. But, you know, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but we had a, a, a really good friend of mine uh, who's still in the band, uh, the road guy who was the merch guy, the tech, you know, he tech drums, guitars, bass, everything. He did pretty much anything we told him to. And his name is T Joe. And uh, me and him were really close because, uh, you know, he was my age, a year older than me. And we, we always, you know, we would go and be in the same age and, you know, not being able to do certain things, not being able to go with other guys. You know, if they went to, to a different club to go hang out or whatever, we would go and we would go make our own fun. So, you know, we would always hang out. But as far as shows go, man, like Rocklahoma was a huge one for me because – that was the most people I've ever played to single-handedly in my life Like at that moment. There there was a thousand people for sure, you know, and that was just exhilarating to me. And, you know, there, there's, you know, musicians always say that there's no feeling like the high you get from being on stage and, you know, 2,000 people, 10,000, a million people, whatever, screaming your band name or even your own name individually – but, you know, Rocklahoma was big for me, and Sturgis was too. Uh, even though, you know, we played on a, a smaller stage at Sturgis, but it, it was still a blast. And, you know, we got to see John Fogarty. We got to see Leonard Skinner and Shine Down, all those people. And, you know, we got to, you know, have, like, all access to a lot of the stuff. So, you know, that was a blast. But uh, we played a lot of bike rallies, you know, for bikers and stuff. So uh, Somerville Bike Rally, which uh, – our buddies in Wayland uh, are actually at this weekend. You know, that was always fun for me because we made some good friends and some good fans there who supported us like no one else did. But as far as, you know, crappy shows go, you know, I mean, I don't think a week would go by without us hitting a, hitting a place that was just absolutely dead that, you know, we would be like, you know, if it was a new venue, we would be like, Oh man, we're, we're never coming back here. (laughs) You know, well, as far as the the framing the red album that's supposed to come out, did you play all the drums on that? Yeah, I played uh I played all the drums except for uh, two songs, uh, American Made, which is the first one recorded, and Whiskey and Weed, which was the second one recorded. The drummer that I replaced, the female, uh, she played on Whiskey and Weed, but uh, American Made, uh, the original drummer played on Cody Leak, and uh, we did retract the drums on those just because they went to a different producer. Uh, from Drowning Pool, the guitar player from Drowning Pool, they went to him uh, to record that song, and I guess they weren't very happy with how the drums turned out, so they wanted, you know, the drums to match the rest of the record. So we retract the drums. You know, that's nothing against the original drummer. It's not that I, you know we didn't think that his drums were good enough for anything. It was just simply thing we want. We had a better quality of recording at our producer, so. You know, he just wasn't in the band at the time, so I was, and I retracted the drums. But, you know, so I, nine, or I guess eight out of the nine songs, or nine out of the ten, I, I don't know if they recorded anymore, but uh, 
you know, I did play on. What kind of, uh, what kind of drums do you play? Don't, don't you have some endorsements going on? Yeah, man, I got a endorse with a pork pie percussion and, you know, oh, I mean, nice. yeah, I love, love them, man. Love, love, love them. And they're, they're really good about, uh, you know, staying in contact with me and stuff. And, uh, they're, I tell them what I want and I got it, you know, and they give me pretty sick discounts and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I have family help me and, you know, all my, uh, my drum set that I have now, my green acrylic one, uh, was, you know, purchased, uh, with discount by my family. So, you know, thank you to them for that. But, uh, I do have another one coming on the way, which is just, a a four piece, you know, kick, two toms and a snare. That's actually a, a maple kit. That's, uh, the finish is just ground up symbols with a clear coat finish over top of it. And, uh, I saw they came out with that finish and I told them the sizes that I wanted and, you know, they started working on it right away and it should be here within 30, 45 days, probably. Cool. I noticed, uh, I think on the, the post where you said you're moving back to Iowa, you also said you're going to start a band. Is that separate from your, your solo project? Yeah, that is separate from the solo project. It's uh, with different musicians. Okay. And is that something you have the style of music in mind and everything? or? Yeah, man. Uh, the the musician that I'm uh, – right now it's, it's one musician, you know, and we're uh, we're – silently trying to recruit other musicians into it but uh it's a uh, the guy plays guitar and he sings and he's really 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 good I'm, I'm not gonna say too much but uh he he's really big in cedar rapids and he did go around for the longest time uh playing acoustic guitar 12 string and singing by himself so you know he hit me up uh, one time and you know my dad did a lot of booking for him through his entertainment company uh, 319 entertainment uh, based out of Sierra Rapids and uh, we did a, a some booking uh, slash light shows and stuff through 319 entertainment so he opened up for friends and you know I really liked his stuff so I got a hold of his album and I went ahead and I just overlaid like for fun I just overlaid a drum track over one of his songs and he just loved it man and as soon as I quit framing the red, you know, I, I just, it popped in my head. I'm like, God, I got to hit this guy up. And he was totally down and, you know, we'll be starting a full electric, you know, live show lights, you know, smoke machines, all that stuff. You know, we'll be utilizing my dad's entertainment company for sure. Uh, for, you know, the, the entertainment factor, but you know, we're going to, be doing a lot of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Waterloo, Iowa, and uh, not not very much outside of Iowa unless it's like big shows because he's kind of on the same page that I am uh, with having a kid and not wanting to be gone. And he's got a pr pretty good paying job, but he loves music just as much as, you know, the next guy. So he's definitely a good guy to be starting a band with. Well, like you've got the – the Black Doggy Murder shirt on. Like, what's uh, some other heavy bands you're into, or just anything in general besides what we've mentioned already? Right. Uh, well, man, I really like uh, right now. Like, I'm on a big like Corn Kick, and you know, I mean, I know that's not as heavy as the Black Doggy, uh, but 
Black Dahlia murder, but uh, uh, of Mice and Men, you know, a lot of like the, the modern day, like warp tour bands I'm into, you know, uh, as far as like, you know, female singers, like New Year's Day, I'm really big into them. Uh, and a bunch of, a bunch of bands, man. Like, like I said, like pretty much the whole like warp tour style bands I'm into, but, uh, you know, definitely on the more like, I guess, popular side, uh, corn and slipknot for sure. Being from Iowa and a lot of bands like that. You into anything else outside of that? Like, that would shock people, like Celine Dion or something. Uh, oh no, no, no! For nothing, nothing like that, man. Uh, as a drummer, I I kind of get offended by some of the the pop and stuff. You know, I'm I mean, believe it or not, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll listen to rap and uh, you know, I like Kevin Gates and Hobson and stuff. But I mean, that's not something that I would just put on and listen to at the house. You know, I mean, that's just not something that I guess I'm very much into but you know i mean if i if i get in somebody's car and they're playing it you know i'll get into it and i'll listen to it so i think that wraps it up man thanks for doing this yeah we appreciate it yeah for sure man thank you guys it was fun there you go william fish formerly of framing the red currently of solo extraordinaire <laughs> yeah he's got this album like we like he mentioned in the interview we mentioned earlier an ep coming out called choices so be on the lookout for that that's right Hit him up on Facebook. He's got a band page called William Fish of Framing the Red. And, you know, find him on there. Hit him up. Be his friend as well. You know, he's I got, like we said, he's got tons of stuff going on. You can hire him to be session work. and He's a great guy, and we appreciate him taking the time to talk to us. Uh, definitely, yeah. It was uh, it was awesome. Yeah, and I, I think Jamie Welch, you know, kind of helped facilitate that and hit us up. And yeah. Connected him with us because... We've done a couple interviews with Jamie, so if you're a if you're a Framing the Red fan, go back and check those out if you haven't. There's two of them up there, some pretty some pretty interesting stuff in those. And oh yeah, for he's sure. always got some good stuff to say, whether it's <laughs> about Framing the Red or just music in general. So yeah, yeah, great to happy to bring this stuff to you. And while you're checking those out, check out everything else. We're online at thethunderunderground.com. All the podcasts are on soundcloud.com backslash thunder-underground. We just recently had one with Shooter Jennings, which, you know, was kind of out of the box for our normal stuff, but it went great. We it talked did, about yeah. a lot of a lot of hard rock stuff. Yeah, we yeah, ended up talking about, yeah, ACDC, Guns N' Roses, Marilyn Manson, so yeah. I love it. Yeah. And we've had stuff, you know, with, like we were talking about Lynch Mob earlier, we've had 80s rock guys like Warren in Europe, and we've had heavy stuff like Crowbar and battle cross and insight and overkill and we've even had you know guys from sons of texas and caroline spine you know yeah. all over the place yeah which is that's the way it should be yep yep and then speaking of battle cross our next episode will be kyle gunther from battle cross again hell yeah coming back for a second time we got more stuff to say yeah yeah, yeah. That, that one's a good one be on the lookout for that one yeah very happy to bring that to you and Facebook.com backslash The Thunder Underground. YouTube is The Thunder Underground. Instagram is at The Thunder Underground. Periscope is at Thunder Underground. Twitter is T-H-N-D-R-U-N-D-R Ground. And once again, our website is TheThunderUnderground.com. Well, um, what's our MySpace? 
It is backslash. <laughs> Hold on, I thought I could have something funny. Oh. Backspace, backspace, step into 2009. Yeah, know. yeah. Well, hey, I'm the funny one. Just yeah. leave that to me. That's why I asked that question. There you go. <laughs> the comic relief. <laughs> yeah, like we said, coming up this week, actually, we've got interview with Kyle Gunther from Battlecross, and then should we announce next why, week? Why not? We got Ian Moore. Hell yes. And if you don't know Ian Moore, just go Google him and just hit play. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I, you know, I'll say that again on the next episode, but it doesn't matter where you start, whether it's from 1993 or the most recent thing from a couple months ago that's on SoundCloud. The guy's phenomenal. Yep. And, you know, plays all kinds of music and amazing, you know, fanboying out here for a minute, but it was really cool, you know, <laughs> that we've been fans of him since 93, so it was a real honor to be able to talk to him and his band, The Lossy Coils. So. Yeah, yeah. We're going to bring that to you in about a week or so, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah, that's a good one. So. Yep. All right. Well, does that wrap it up on 59? I think so. We're done. All right. Hopefully on 60, my voice is better. It better be. Yeah, or else you're taking over. <laughs> I might have to. Yeah. This is getting crazy, Trent. Yeah, the Battlecross episode could be all Jason, so be on the lookout <laughs> for that. All right, until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground, y'all.